Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women. And all this beer is going to give us a shard of darkness. <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we are the Drunk Guys, and this week we're reading Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. The best part of the book. <laughs> it is all all downhill from here, much much like a shard, the initial, the, the initial, you know, thrill is interesting and and the rest of it is really quite awful (laughs) and starting with the beer (laughs) (laughs) this is an imperial milk stout so because this book is about imperialism this is an imperial dark beer and that's my only connection because this is called floofer (laughs) three by skygazer a new brewery for us. Uh, Flu for three. This is a milk stout with coconut and caramel. And it is 10% alcohol. 10. This is, this is good. This is very good. So tell us about this book, Michael. Tell us two things. <laughs> when it was made and who did it. Heart of <laughs> did Darkness. Do that? I can I try. <laughs> Heart of Darkness is a novella by Joseph Conrad that was published in a magazine, you know, serially in 1899 and then packaged together as a book and then forced upon high school students ever since. (laughs) Fucking piece of shit. Tell us what you thought. (laughs) (laughs) It fucking sucked. (laughs) Yeah, it was not a fun read. It was not. Holy shit. As I was reading this, I was like, why the fuck did they think a high school... In my high school senior English class, we had to read this. Oh, yeah. Me too. Like, why the fuck did they make us do this? What were they hoping to accomplish? It was like an act of imperialism on the children to make them read this fucking book. But first, the plot. So, it is like By all the way, eight- Apocalypse Now, the story of Apocalypse Now is the most famous film version of Heart of Darkness. But it is, of course, set in Vietnam. But otherwise, does in many ways follow the story. So we'll probably yeah. talk about that, too. I never saw it. It's like an 18 but hours long. I have. <laughs> That's because when you came back from Nam, Nate, <laughs> you, you wanted to see what the other people thought about it. <laughs> so it it is... It is the longest hundred pages ever, and they have this, it has the density of a dead star. It's just ridiculous. I thought I saved this to the last minute. I think I could just knock this out. I was like, "Oh, that's real short." Fucking worst decision. Anyway, yeah. So okay, it starts out with a frame story, as books oh, of yeah. this era usually do, and it's yeah, they so can't just tell a story. Yeah, every paragraph has to start with quotation marks. It's so annoying. <laughs> so in this, the frame story is a bunch of guys on a boat. They're on anchored a in boat. London. The London. They're in London. They're harbor the in London, boat. and they're talking about you know like, and it's it's like dusk and they're just kind of sitting around and they're, they're just going to talk boat leisure <laughs> just like sit around the boat and That's one of them do. is marlo and he basically says but oh, you know let me tell you about this time the craziest fucking thing boat. happened to me <laughs> <laughs> you think this boat's nice <laughs> and uh and then he like launches into the story launches into what is his trip to 
Congo or the Congo Free State. Well, first he's like, think he's like looking around. He's like, what do you think? What do you think it was like here on the Thames, spelt wrong? Um, when the <laughs> when did he spell it Polishly? No, he's just like that, that says, K's that and says Z's. Thames. I'm sorry, England. Oh right, you're oh, wrong. It is actually spelled wrong. Yeah. Um, but he said, "What do you think it was like when the Romans came here?" And this was all, you know, savage, wild land. What was it or like as for he them? Said, what, when it was darkness to the yes. Romans, which you know, foreshadowing about the darkness. Yes, thing. very shadowing because yeah. it's so dark. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I happen to highlight that exact same thing with this is like literally page three or something like that, where Joseph felt Conrad like page 29 basically <laughs> says, um, so imperialism is bad. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, they grabbed what they could. Okay. This is talking about the Romans and the Romans kind of taking over um, it, that they only took it by brute force. Nothing to boast of when you have it, since your strength is just an accident arising from the weakness of others. They grabbed what they could get for the sake of what was to be got. It was just robbery with violence, aggravated murder on a great scale, and men going at it blind. It is very mm. proper for those to tackle a darkness. Who tackle a darkness? The conquest of the earth, which mostly means the taking it away from those who have a different complexion or slightly flatter noses than ourselves. It's not a pretty thing when you look into it too much. And though, and you can pretty much, you got the point of the book right there and you can stop reading. I wish. And that would be, you know, (laughs) save you, (laughs) save you a lot of time. Save you about 19 hours. It was a remarkably progressive view for 1899. And then, uh, so mostly yes. For the time, Um, because he was Polish. A little bit of background. (laughs) He thought about it wrong. (laughs) Joseph Conrad was actually not British. He was Polish. But he did, he was also born in America? No. No, He was born in Russia, the Russian Empire. But then was in the lands of Poland. America. But anyway, he, he really did, he really was a boat captain and really did pilot a boat up the river, up the Congo River. And at least the setting of the book is entirely realistic in terms of just how just how awful it was so like that was real though at the time uh because okay belgium i mean okay congo was a colony of belgium and what's kind of remarkable about the congo colony is it wasn't quite like the other colonies owned by, like, you know, Britain and France, where it was owned by the country. The Congo colony was almost entirely owned by the king. It was his personal colony. It and it was logically idea. called the Congo Free State. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> what it was called. The first in the history of it's, long it's really bad like names Orwellian for the Congo. before Orwell was born. So. Uh, it was really owned by the king himself. It was his idea. He, like, went and, like, made it happen. And he did borrow money from the French government. But it wasn't owned. I mean, not the French government. The Belgian government. It's almost the same. Uh, the, but, and so he borrowed money, but it was mostly his. I mean, or at least he controlled more than 51% of the corporation that ran the whole thing. So it was mostly his. And this is something we learn a lot about in this country. But it was... Uh, truly one of the worst things to ever happen on earth he king leopold the second i think he was right yep was 
a horrific murderer ruler of these people. And he massacred and tortured and tormented everyone in the country for generations. A lot of uh, maiming and cutting of hands, also like rubber plantations. He did some truly horrific things, including probably drawing and quartering. <laughs> I've seen this beer for months, and I thought, yeah, you could use that because it's the worst place to happen. Uh, this is drawn and quartered from Nightmare, and it is a 10% IPA, and good luck to me. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> Way better than being drawn and quartered. <laughs> what about like, or being in the Congo halved. almost since Europe got there? It's very good. It's uh, it's got everything you need in it, and a lot of booze. Yeah, I recommend it. Drink one. Don't colonize uh, uh the Congo though. It's bad. Well, Leopold's gonna be a tough act to follow. Oh yeah. Uh, so the, I mean, this book takes place basically during that time. He had it. From the mid-1880s to, like, 1908 or 1909 or something like that is when So it's right there died. in the middle of this. Or at least this is when he wrote it. So I assume it takes place at a similar time. Well, Conrad went up. His time there was, like, the late 1880s, 1889 or something like that, I think, is when he was, was riverboating. So probably yeah. about that time. And in the book, in, in in the book, he only really talks about ivory being the main the main profit thing that they wanted there, and that you know everyone is so impressed by Kurtz because he's you know found more ivory or gotten a hold of more ivory than everyone else put together, and everyone you know is like very greedy. But that was really only the first main ex- thing that Congo found because really the main the thing that made them even more money was actually rubber. Mm. Because when at the beginning of the colony, people didn't know that, like, the world didn't know what rubber was or how useful it was. And then some dude invented, like, the rubber bicycle tire and was like, hey, this is awesome. And literally, they were, within a couple of years, they're forcing the, you know, Africans in Congo to go out into the jungle to find the rubber plants and harvest the rubber, the rubber sap. And if they didn't come back with enough, they would cut off their hands. Which would help them find more in the future. Yeah, definitely. You can see pictures, because I guess cameras is at this point, or I don't know, some kind of camera. You can see pictures of just piles of hands. It's it's like a leaf pile in the fall for places that have seasons. But it is hands. It's really intense. And and, And feet. Yeah, so, okay. Too. Back to the story. So Marlowe is like, this was the craziest fucking thing that ever happened to me. Okay, so here's what happened. He talks about, you know, he gets, a, he gets some like crazy aunt to write him a letter to get him a commission to go from the Good company. nepotism. To go <laughs> and be a boat captain so he could like have a job. So he goes, he then, boom, he arrives there in Congo or at the mouth of the Congo well, do River. Do you remember why the guy before him lost command of his boat? He was fighting with the locals about some chickens and hitting them with a stick. So they stabbed him to death. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the process, like, I don't know what happened to the chicken, though. Yeah. <laughs> also, the entire villages appeared because they knew that if they stuck around, they would be wiped out. And while this book is technically fiction, stories like that were 
probably very realistic. So, mm, yeah. Okay, so he gets there uh, to, the, like, the mouth of the river, and there's, like, he gets to the first, like, little station, but then the ri- he finds out that the riverboat is, like, ran aground, and it's going to take months to repair, but they don't have, like, any of the right tools or equipment, and they, like, need rivets and stuff like that, but the rivets are, like, back down the river, down the coast a little ways, and they everything is just giant clusterfuck. <laughs> And they're stuck there, and it's really hot. <laughs> Would you say it's tropical? I think it is. It's like it's north of the tropic of Capricorn. <laughs> it's below the equator. I'm going to allow it. It's tropical. Tropical-ish. This beer is also tropical-ish. It's called Rista Rista Tropical from Evil Twin Brewing. And it's a 7.5% alcohol, milk sugar style IPA, brewed with milk sugar, vanilla, passion fruit, papaya, mango, goldenberry, and vanilla. And it's really old. <laughs> it's practically wine now. It tastes just like... I remember when I... What decade is this from? <laughs> oh, God. This is from 2020. Uh, oh, man. Oh. It just tastes like a mango juice. And when I had it, I was disappointed. Because if I wanted that, I wouldn't have had to spend $22 a four-pack. could have just gotten some shitty mango juice from the ethnic aisle at the supermarket. Yeah. Because... Apparently, white people aren't ready for that. But this is good if you're into that. And if you're into that, you can't get this beer anymore. So, sorry. <laughs> Just dump some rubbing alcohol into your mango juice, and it's the same thing. <clears throat> maybe maybe a shot of vodka. You don't want to die. Yeah. Not a lot. Now you're, now you're getting closer to a, some sort of cocktail. That's a baby uh, breeze, baby. We should say, though, these beers are brought to us or were brought to us by our supporters over at Patreon. So if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club, where you could get all sorts of goodies like real stuff, shout outs, vote in our monthly book poll, and even exclusive content and join us for live episodes. If you're into that, head over there. If that's not your thing, um, just, you know, leave us a review to help us out. Just round up to five stars. One for every finger on a hand that would get cut <laughs> off if you didn't bring enough <laughs> rubber back. At the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Back to the story. Happy stuff. So also when um, Marlowe arrives, they're like trying to build a railway. And from what I understand, like building the... Because ra- there was no infrastructure at all, at least no like, you know, Western European infrastructure. Building this railway was like the most difficult thing that's like ever been done because they were so disorganized. But they finally got it done. But they are literally using... They're using the Africans really as slave labor, even though slavery is supposed to have be supposed to have been completely abolished by all the European countries and the United States. I mean, this is literally, you know, almost thirty years after the end of the American Civil War. But well, Cuba it, and Brazil still had slavery until like the eighteen eighties, didn't they? So it's not like the world. I think, I think we that weren't is the last true. country. Weren't the last. <laughs> Top three, baby. Mm. <laughs> Not the uh, last. I'm pretty sure that if it, you know, there there were other countries that still had slavery too. Yeah. Um, but they were these were quote unquote criminals. Right. Exactly. There's like some of them. They literally were like they had these these three or four guys um, carrying stuff on their heads, but they're also like chained together by the neck. And so they had to always, like, walk together. And they were, you know, criminals, but 
were they really? And then also he like almost falls in a ravine because there's just like broken pipes everywhere. And then there are a bunch of Africans literally lying under a tree, but they're like literally dying. They're like starving to death and just literally have given up and can't move. And they're just lying there because they've been like not paid. I mean, not paid, not fed or, and they're just being worked to death. And that's like the first, this is really Marlowe's like first impression of seeing Congo or the Congo free state. And it's like, Hmm, this isn't good (laughs) to put it mildly. Europeans largely didn't know too much. Okay, the general population of Europe or Belgium or England or France or, you know, didn't really know a ton about how, how bad things were in Congo because they, because Congo wasn't a vacation destination. It wasn't, they weren't even trying to get many Europeans to settle there. They were really interested in just getting the ivory, just getting the copper, just getting the, you know, the rubber. And that was it. It was really like they had, they sent soldiers there who were profiting, you know, from the trade. And so they didn't really have that much incentive to go and then say it was bad, I guess. And so most people kind of didn't know. Also, wasn't well known afterward either, like in the later in the 20th century, because all of the records were burned. Like when King Leopold died and technically the whole like, of corporation reverted to the ownership of the government of Belgium to like, uh, just burn everything. Just burn all the records. Like literally they spent days just burning all the records. And also, um, the King Leopold was very, very good about, um, keeping everything secret and really fighting a public relations war to like, you know, it's like, Oh, we're helping the native peoples kind of, kind of story. Is well, that kind of one of the statues they just tore down like last year? Uh, there's a good chance. I think he was. Why, was he also a Confederate general? <laughs> <laughs> he was a European version. It kind of was, yeah. Uh, I see there was one, there is one in Belgium that has definitely been vandalized a lot lately. He was a product of his time. So much so that even he was like, oh, I can't let anyone find out about this. <laughs> yeah, eesh. Though at, um, at the same time, though, people were, I think, like, very curious about what was in the interior of Africa. But yeah. you, because, and that's what um, Marlowe says in the beginning of the story. He's like, I was always interested in the blank spots of the map. And people really, European people, that is, didn't really know what was going on in the interior of Africa. Because it's actually really hard to get there by water routes. Because like everyone the, keeps dying before they get very far. But even so, a lot of those rivers are not very navigable or only at certain points in the year. And there are only a hand, like there aren't as many um, ports and such that are accessible for the larger kinds of ships that Europe had uh, just Mm -hmm. a more natural ability to more natural ports like that. So getting into the interior of Africa was really, really difficult. And then once you did get there, you die of like, you know, dengue or whatever fucking fevers. Because yeah. of all the, you know, insect-borne illnesses and such. And that's basically what happens for the rest of this book. All the white people just die slowly or nearly die of just generic illness. Just Bad know. case of death. No, well, that's well, when we find out about Kurtz later. Like, soon you find out, oh, I heard Kurtz is sick. Again. 
<laughs> and, and then they go, oh, shit. And then Marlo gets sick, too. Because it's just, you know, nature's way of saying, go away. <laughs> Reconsider. Or, Here are some mosquitoes. Please leave. So uh, when Marlo gets to, you know, at this very first, you know, the first settlement, not settlement, first like the station, labor camp. whatever it's called, first camp, there's really only, it's kind of run by one white guy who's an accountant. <laughs> and like, that's his job. And he pretty much says like how jealous he is of Kurtz. He just hears this name. Oh, Mr. Kurtz. Uh, because because he's like, they say, oh, he's going to be the general manager someday in two years because he has found or acquired so much ivory, he's going to make us all so rich. And that's really what it's about. It's about the money. It's about the greed. But then, and so uh, Marlowe kind of wants to move on. Wants to, okay, I'll let me go meet him. But his boat has run aground, so he's take, he has to stay there for months. But luckily, months don't go by, and the, don't you don't have to. You don't hear descriptions they, of him sitting around for months. They basically like do, it. dude. That's the <laughs> fucking. It sucks. How long it takes to describe? Like instead of just being like, why did that have to be part of the story? I don't know why that even had to be there. It still took forever to do anything back then. Why did he have to introduce another? You know, anything extra into this fucking terrible story? Well, perhaps to show the complete ineptitude of the Congo Free State Corporation or whatever it was called. Perhaps for that, but doesn't make for an exciting plot. No. So then he gets back on. So finally the boat is ready. They start going up a river to like the final, a couple of things happen. They get attacked. No, they they get attacked later. Something that happens first though. Well, it's basically, that's basically what happens next. When they're waiting for the boat, like a whole other adventure team comes, and it's like the uncle of the accountant, and they all go into the jungle, and they all disappear. They're like, well, that sucked, but those guys were douchebags anyway. Fuck them. And they spend another month fixing the boat, and then they go on a boat. like, the trip is going to take two months. It's like, what? You just spent two months waiting to take the boat. And then they take the boat, and then they get attacked, like, right on their exit for the highway to the village that they're going to. He also, at one point, I'm not sure when it happens, he sees, like, a French ship just, like, blindly shooting cannons into the jungle. Oh, yeah, that was, like, right... I think that was, like, right when he got to the mouth of the river, like, when he was arriving there. And he sees them, like, yeah, there's there's some people in there, so they're just shooting cannons into it. It's like, this is kind of crazy, but whatever. We, I guess they have their reasons. <laughs> and then it just goes on. His trees are coming right at him. <laughs> And then, uh, so that like they take the boat, it, it goes for a while, and they randomly will get attacked. They will get like spears thrown at them and stuff. Uh, and it kills their their helmsman. Yeah, one person does get stabbed right through the heart by a spear of darkness, <laughs> and he like dies right at the feet, Marlo's feet, and gets his shoes covered in blood and socks covered in blood that Marlo's very upset about. Uh, and then they but the guy was black, so he doesn't care that much. He's just like, oh, what a bummer. Yeah, that was a. He said that was a useful tool. <laughs> I mean, he he was upset, but you know, I don't think he even had a name. Maybe he had a name. I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, and not that we knew. <laughs> so not that important. 
Uh, and then he finally gets to uh, the, f- the the final station when they finally meet, gets to meet Kurtz. Daddy's heard so much about, and Kurtz is very sick, except really it's like he's crazy. It's not just like he has, you would think it would be he just had malaria, but he really is like more like he's just crazy. He's, he's well, he is gone native. He is, <laughs> and certainly the other, you know, imperialist guys would say that he has a warped imagination because he is now, he's gotten the equivalent of imperialism Stockholm syndrome where he identifies with the natives and he's like a god somehow among them. Well, he, he believes that they are, you have to talk to them as though you were a god. And since we are so advanced over them, they'll believe it. And they do. Yeah, they do. (laughs) So this is Warped Imagination. A triple IPA from Finback coming in at 10% alcohol that's dry hopped with Strata, Cashmere Cryo, Idaho 7, Cryo, and Citra. All the hops. And it is damn good. I only bought one four-pack, and it was really hard to save this one for today. (laughs) And I bought it very recently. (laughs) (laughs) This afternoon. (laughs) Uh, But it was was a delicious juice. Um, So yeah, Kurtz is, is... has this like compound surrounded by human heads on sticks. Yeah, like shrunken, severed heads on pikes. So in the book, uh, King, the history book, King Leopold's Ghost by Adam Hochschild, which I read very recently and got a lot of this information from. It sounds like a real downer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely was. It was. spooky? <laughs> Is it that kind of ghost? So Is ectoplasm? Yeah, a lot of ectoplasm is. everywhere. Uh, no, so... That's what holds he, hands on. That author believes that Kurtz was based on... That the character of Kurtz was actually based on a real person by this, like, uh, Belgian army officer who really did have human skull... A, a, like, human skulls on spikes surrounding his house. In, in So... And he's like, oh, Joseph Conrad met this guy and probably saw that. That's where he remembered that from when he wrote it. The only thing I remember from my high school senior class on this was a lengthy discussion that I pretended to listen to about why the faces were facing into the house and not out as like a warning to, you know, people who would be coming up to it. So when you're coming up to you're like, what is that? Is that like an old coconut? And then you realize, <laughs> like, that's the back of a guy's head. And then... um and I don't remember why that was important, but my English teacher went on and fucking on about that. As you know, this is this is you know typical high school English teacher thing where they there's meaning in everything, no details, accidental. Sometimes but it is. I actually kind of think it might be in this book. This is the it, book where it was like, no, that he's just wrote down shit he saw. Right, but like, yeah, it might just right. It might just be. Sometimes that like that's just a blue door. <laughs> like it's not. It's it's just because that was the color, you know. So I don't know. I don't remember what she said, and uh, she's hopefully she's dead now, so it doesn't. <laughs> I can't ask her. <laughs> but then anyway, Kurtz is there, and you also meet this Russian guy. You know, talk about the Russian guy. He's the Dennis Hopper character. I, I hate to say this. Like, Nate is going to never let us live this down. I have also never seen all of Apocalypse Now. <laughs> what? 
It's fucking. I watched right, some of it. Nate, it's one to a thousand. I turned it off. <laughs> I, I was yeah. I'm sure that if I watched it, I would I would like it. I just I just didn't watch it. I don't want to see Charlie Sheen's dad and yep. fucking um, uh, the Marlon Godfather. Brando. Marlon Brando, yeah. Very sweaty and bald. <laughs> Just talking all weird. And well, then this, this is the I Love the Smell of Napalm in the Morning movie, right? Yeah. Which character is that? That is... That, um, it's the accountant. I have no idea. <laughs> okay. It's not a one-to-one thing. That was played by... Uh, Robert Duvall. Robert, Robert Duvall. Duvall. Yeah, there you go. Play Robert. I mean, really, it's like The Godfather, but just, you know, with... Um, was it Tom, Tom Hanlon or whatever with, his name with, was? With Martin Godfather. Sheen instead of... Uh, what's his name? Pacino. Hal Pacino, yeah, that's right. So, <clears throat> yeah, that, that is that movie. Also, I think that... It, I feel like they did use the word gone native. Like, oh, he's gone native. I think that's also from Well, in the movie, now. in the movie, he is sent to kill him. That's the whole point. He's sent to yes. kill Kurtz. That's not the point of the book. So they changed significantly that. I think it's I think it's fair to say Apocalypse Now is more like inspired by this than an yeah. adaptation of it. I'm not sure what the a, a, a original billing is, and it, it might not have even given a fuck because I'm sure this was public no. domain by the time that they made I'm that sh- movie. I'm sure they didn't even mention it in like the trailer or like the movie poster. No, I think yeah, they did. The- I think it was supposed to be known that it was Heart of Darkness. I mean, because the guy is named Kurtz. Yeah, oh, definitely. And even uses know, the same... Is something would have advertised, though? I, I don't know. I, I think so, yeah. And even uses the same line, like the same final line, final final words of Kurtz are the same. It's, oh, it's the same the thing horror. I say every time I finish, a, I run out of beer. The horror. The horror. The horror. So in, in the book, they, he's basically, they get there and he's basically some sort of god slash cult leader and they keep talking about like what is in his deep and impressive voice like he's like fucking james earl jones and just because he talked real nice and had a soothing dulcet tones that these people just started to basically treat him as some sort of god emperor and all of his you know they keep talking about like these ideas these things he's saying and then they never actually say his ideas or what he did to convince them, other than he has a really nice voice. It's like the LRH. You know, just LRH, man. That, that, yeah, but he, he had ideas. At least we know what his ideas were. Bat shit, but we knew what they were. <laughs> <laughs> he, also did, he also had a huge fondness for boats and exploration, mm-hmm. also because there's no laws in international waters. <laughs> It's the only place you could legally eat a man's dick. Speaking of eating a man's dick. Not illegally. My memory of this book (laughs) in high school (laughs) was... Those halcyon days of eating men's dicks. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what's high school for, right? Um, We read this book and we think, like, you know, we're told it's high school. It's like, oh, this book is, it's... I don't even know if they told us that it was like a... It was against imperialism. They just like look how racist this book is. They didn't. Well, I don't remember if they told us them. Maybe they did. I just really don't remember. I don't remember if they said like, "Look, Joseph Conrad hated this stuff," and because we have to separate, you know, Marlowe's opinions from the narrator who was listening to the story, which is Conrad, I guess. And like, look how ridiculous this shit is. Because there's a lot in the first part about how, like, hinting at that, and then after that, you don't really get as much of it. 
But in this book, I, the thing I remember most about it in high school was I, I, they talk about how like, oh, you know, the, the, the Africans are they're cannibals. They eat people. And we, we were in a class where we were, it was a seminar. It was like a fake seminar where we were like supposed to pretend we're in college. And, uh, and my question, because I had to ask a question to like propose the discussion. And I was like, I asked like, were they actually cannibals or is that just Marlo being a racist? And instead of any discussion, the teacher was just like, mm, well, actually here on this page, uh, it says that they were. So let's move on. And I was like, you bitch. <laughs> That's exactly my fucking point. And you know what? It's been it's been fifteen years, and I'm still not sure. It's been seventeen years, my friend. I didn't say this was a math class. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a math podcast. <laughs> you know, I read it this time. I was looking through stuff about them eating people, and they hint at it a few times, but and no scene is like. And then he took a big bite of this dude's thigh. <laughs> the, the, they, they, throw, they throw away the helmsman body or someone else's body off the side of the boat. It's like so they don't eat him. But like, were they gonna eat him? Well, I think the thing also is because a, what because they're starving them. So I think most civil societies that have cannibalism, it is not like their staple food source. It is like a ceremonial thing that yeah. happens in special circumstances. It's not, it's not like, like us. What do you to, feel like tonight? You want a key How food? Going to pick up a fucking human femur. <laughs> Also, so would, the, calling calling anyone non-white people savages, what I mean, um, and cannibals. cannibals was a like horrible stereotype that was used to like to dehumanize um, them. Uh, I can't think of the word right now. Make to basically like give give monsters. the Europeans a reason to like, oh, we're civilizing the cannibals. You know, give them you know the moral high ground to go in and just take over because they're cannibals. When reality. Cannibalism is extremely rare to the point where it almost doesn't happen. But even when it did happen in it's a delicacy. societies or even like <laughs> cultures, it was like part of a ritual and you'd have like one bite. It's not like we're just going to be cannibals just to like feed ourselves. That was, that's just never been the case. So I think Except in the Donner right. Party and then it didn't work very well. That was also out of desperation. Yeah, yes, exactly. So I think I was right. I think you're right. I think you were absolutely right. So I would like to say, go fuck yourself to... 12th grade English teacher. 12th grade English teacher. I think I know which one you had. I thought that was a real... It was a real douchebag. And are they dead? <laughs> She's retired. Good. She sucked. But never a It was her and the, and the professor who everyone knew was an alcoholic... <laughs> But she shut douche. me down, which I thought was a pretty reasonable question. Well, you tried to mansplain it to her. I wasn't even explain. I was. I was. I had to pose a question, and I did. And instead of every other question that was at that semester where we discussed it, she just like, no. You know what? Oh my goodness. Uh, there might. If there is cannibalism in it, I'm not, not going to be surprised either. So there I didn't control F cannibal. Some. Examples of cannibalism in the Democratic Israel. Republic of Congo, Central African Republic. There's like some that's around in there. fucking New York City too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just to, it, yeah. No, I'm sure, I'm sure it did happen. It has happened. Yeah, but yeah, it was it was definitely like a stereotypical thing. It was just like like they saw it one time, and then like the way it was understood back at the at the homeland by the it was Europeans. up there with here be dragons. 
They're like, oh my god, they're just fucking eating people all the time with bones in their noses and shit. <laughs> just like whatever horrible, like the same kind of images that would go along with going to like the Chicago World's Fair or whatever they have. Like, here's the African family and they're like oh, sitting yeah. in and a, kept them in zoos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Zoos. Yeah. So, um, he Kurtz is dying, right? And it Kurtz real bad. <laughs> And Kurtz is like, I'm pretty sure the company wants to kill me. And it's not clear. I wasn't clear to me. Why? Because, because he was they, they not kind clear of in the text. It's not. Yeah. They keep saying like, oh, he's bad for business. But he said, they said he was incredible. So I don't really understand why. I think it was because he was maybe leaning too heavily into being the uh, African village god and like not getting shit done. Because what but he was, wasn't really he like explain. using the natives instead of having them go you know, get the ivory and, I guess, kill the elephant themselves. They were, like, stealing it from other people or something? Was something like that going on? Like, that's how he was able to outperform everybody else? It's possible. It's it's, it's kind of vague. I don't think it, it says, out. but, I mean, in reality, if he was bad for business, it's probably just because he murdered so many people that he just got so many of the other Africans just so mad at him, at him or the like, the company in the whole money making venture that it was going to end up being bad for business because they're going to have to, they're going to have to fight rebellions, which basically meant Europeans with guns coming in and just absolutely wiping, wiping out lots of people. So that's why it was going to be bad for business. Doesn't say that in the text, but rebellions happened all the time. So then Marlo's like, listen, I got to take you. Marlo's whole job has been to just fetch Kurtz, basically. Like, it's a very stupid job he has. It's like, here, take four months to find a guy that we know where he is. It was a... This isn't like that Dr. Livingston, I presume, moment. (laughs) Just find a guy. Which happened on this river, didn't it? Yes. But about about 30 years earlier, right? Yeah. But that, that expression is from the same place. And so then... They get him on the boat, but then Kurtz, who is so close to death, <laughs> that he already like, looks like a ghost. Yeah, he's described as like a, a wraith. Basically, he looks like a, a cadaver. But one that can sweat. <laughs> that's, that's the only the worst thing kind the, of ghost. It's the only function his body still carries out: <laughs> sweating. <laughs> and he then somehow escapes from the boat or whatever they're in. He tries to escape. Crawl but back then to his Marlo finds him. him, yeah, and he's like, "I'm gonna beat you up if you don't come back." And he's like, "Don't." He's like, "Okay, come on back." But Kurt's like, "I just didn't have enough time. <laughs> like, I could have, I could have done more shit. Like, I could have been a contender <laughs> instead of a bum." <laughs> have you seen that movie, Nate? I haven't either. I actually wasn't that also that Marlon Brando. Yes. Yeah. There you go. I assume any movie from that era is Marlon Brando. Um. Yeah. Is that, that on the waterfront? It is oh. on the waterfront. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Um. So then they get him on the boat, and then they just both vigorously die. <laughs> they just try to die, or try not to die, I guess. But nature's but one fails. Us and then the boat breaks again because it was manufactured by people with no hands or something, and the boat just can't stay together. So it's a stop. It's like the Beverly Hillbillies 
boat. It's a jalopy. <laughs> it's just, just this hoopty boat that they're driving. And then Kurtz gives him all his papers. Like, here's, it's like he's, he's like, donating oh, dude, to a college. Here are my papers. <laughs> What'd you say? It'll and, be in uh, collections. Yeah, as he's dying, he's like, I wrote this script. Would you check it out and give me some notes? Ah, <laughs> like, oh, dude, no, I don't want to read that. <laughs> I think you really like it. And one of them says, exterminate all the brutes, which yeah. is ominous. But and just a few decades later, some other guy would be like, I think if you change a couple letters, great idea. World War II foreshadowing. <laughs> um, but... Okay. And then Marlowe decides, instead of just giving the papers to the company, that he's going to go back to Belgium or wherever and give the papers to Kurtz's fiance, who's been waiting for 11,000 years at this point, I guess. I don't know. Honestly, it was probably like a marriage at birth. (laughs) No, people were like, didn't bother, didn't spend that long in the Congo because, you know, he was probably there for two or three years. Yeah, because people just died, you know. Or it was so fucking miserable. And by like the seventh time you get malaria, <laughs> you're like, I'm just I'm just leaving. I'm sorry. I can't do this anymore. This sucks. And then uh basically at the end. Well, there's the uh famous line when Kurtz fucking finally dies and he goes, The horror, the horror. And that's a strange set of last words. Very memorable. And then uh, they tell him that Kurtz is dead. And Marlowe is in such shitty health that he doesn't even really know that Kurtz is... Like, they're burying Kurtz. And he's like, whatever. And then when he finally gets home, he is pissed off. And he goes... People want those papers. And he won't give them to them. He's like, no, no. He'll offer them, like, the other... He's like, you want that script? And then they don't... <laughs> they they don't want his, his report... Because apparently you go to the Congo and you read a book report on it. And so he eventually decides to give it to, um, he goes to see the widow. Oh, well, I guess she's not really a widow. I don't Fiance. Know. Um, and she's like, what was his last words? And he's like, it was your name. Definitely not the horror. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? Definitely not the horror. That's really specific. Like, no, I forgot I said that part. <laughs> and then he gives, um, and he had given the papers to like a journalist or a reporter or whatever. He's like, you go do what you want with this. Oh, was he going to like expose what they were doing in Congo and how terrible it was? Yeah, I think that's what, I think that's what his goal was, right? Yeah, even though the character of Marlowe seemed pretty okay with it the whole time. Yeah. He's like, boy, someone ought to do something about this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, back to carrying way too there. many hands still. I mean, he definitely, um, I mean, I think it's a product of its time, but he, but he, he drops the N-bomb so many times, I thought Mark Twain might have written this book. <laughs> so he was not... I really, so Heart of Darkness, besides being bad, has the same <laughs> problem that Huckleberry Finn has, which is, okay, so Huckleberry Finn, the overall message is that slavery is bad. Yet the way, by 21st century sensibilities, the way people are portrayed, specifically Jim, and, or other people are portrayed in the book is extremely which, which, problematic. Which Jim? You name? know which Jim. I'm not fucking <laughs> saying it. <laughs> not me. 
<laughs> I'm not fucking saying it, but you know exactly what I mean. So it like... The there overall- wasn't another gym in the book. They didn't have to specify. <laughs> there was never to put, oh, God damn it. Who's, which one is talking right now? <laughs> so that's the problem with, with Huck, Huck Finn, where it's like... This one, they didn't even it's give both the names. Saying the message of the book is that slavery is wrong, but yet, is it racist? Yes, it's very racist. However, this book, it's really the message is that imperialism is wrong, or at least that what was happening in Congo was wrong. But yet, it portrays the Africans as savages and as cannibals who all they do is they just attack everyone or they worship the white people, which is also odd. And I feel like the message he was trying to say was that the savages are savage, but then the white people are savage too, or that imperialism makes them that way. And that is a problematic message. (laughs) There was a thing at the beginning when he's going through his, like, psych eval before he goes to uh, Africa, which I didn't know there was a thing in 1890s. The doctor, uh, or what passes for a doctor back then, asked him, like, is there ever any madness in your family? He says, "Um, I have a little theory which you messieurs who go out there must help me prove. This is my share in the advantage of a country, blah, 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 blah. He's like... I think he was saying, like, are you insane or are you some sort of psychopath? Because I think people that would do this kind of stuff, there's got to be something wrong with you. And I want to find out if that's the case. And then they never mention it again. I think this is why, I, uh, one of many reasons why I think this was a shitty book to make kids read. Because even now, like, I'm not sure we could talk about that sort of thing. It said but in it's the, ambiguous. In the Wikipedia, it's like one of the most analyzed books in history. Because they've made every fucking person read it. Yeah, that too. But it, also, it, like, the, the second, there was like, it was like three, three parts. The first part I thought was actually pretty good. And I was like, oh, this might not be as shit as I remember. And then the second and third parts were trash. Uh, and at times it was hard to even understand what was going on. Partly because I was so bored, but also partly because it was never... 100% clear it was like Cormac McCarthy's style but like not good like you're just not sure what's happening or why or what the fuck the point of any of this was also because most of the book is just waiting yeah they, they make this big fucking deal about Kurtz everybody's like oh man Kurtz is the shit and then all of a sudden one guy's like ah Kurtz is shit <laughs> you're like okay why like, he gets so much ivory and that's it like that they they talk him up like he's so impressive, and then when you see him, he's the, a husk of a person. So I feel like there's something there too. But I feel like I don't know. I don't know. They if also never there. explain how he made these people believe he was a god, other than like just confidence. <laughs> you fake it till you make it. <laughs> you know, Apocalypse <laughs> Now is the same way. Like when he gets to the final thing and there are all these people, you know, all the people are like worshiping him. There are also severed heads everywhere and stuff like that. It doesn't like explain how he was able to convince people he's a God. Like I thought that I would think that would be pretty hard to do. You know, I haven't tried it myself, but my guess is just walking into the jungle and saying, Hey, I'm a God. It doesn't really work out very well. People do cults all the time. They do cults here. It happens a lot. 
Listen, when you go into a place of people who don't know West, you know, European civilization, and you pull a fucking quarter out of their ear, <laughs> and you <laughs> you do that to everyone in the village, hot damn, does that put you on the fast track to godhood? David Blaine cleans up. Where is David Blaine right now? He could be being worshipped right now in Papua New Guinea. He could be in any of our rooms right now. <laughs> no, he's somewhere Waiting. eating his own head. <laughs> According to Christopher Columbus's journals, so it's him. The only bo- the only book with more N words. <laughs> he when he arrived in the Americas, he because he knew enough like astronomy, he knew that there was going to be an eclipse, and so he literally told them, "I'm going to take away the." sun today or i'm gonna take away the moon tonight or something like that and they were so fucking impressed that they're like oh this guy might be a god i mean that is according to columbus so he easily could have made they totally bought it silly people (laughs) he could have made that up he he's never been known to make shit up before i I think i mean though what jimmy said about cults is actually pretty interesting so like people like there are cults and some people can clearly have have what it takes to like figure out how to get people to join them but i thought the next like a more of a social connection like you have to be you you can't like it would be very hard to be if you don't already have a cult to just walk up to a stranger and like we're in a cult now you know and get them to go along with it cults take advantage of desperate people and he was in a place where they were literally wiping out people village by village. So maybe that was it. But we really don't know. We don't get any yeah, of it. Say. We don't get, we don't like, we hear about his like crazy ideas and the things he says to these people and the, his, the things that there's going on. And we don't know what any of them are. Yeah. I guess. So the part What's about. What's his secret? <laughs> Believe, believe in yourself if you can will will it into being what's the, what is the secret i forget what it was just like positive thinking or some shit i think it's also that he um he sometimes would pull the got your nose trick on people oh damn it yeah and <laughs> like no give it back give it back god <laughs> say uncle no wait say god um i i think it's pretty clear to me now as a reader. It wasn't clear to me as a kid. That Nothing it's like about impu- this is clear for a Imperialism kid. is bad. I got that. Yeah. But what is the whole point of the guy who goes native? What is that exactly? What I'm not, I'm not understanding how that fits in with the whole imperialism. Because like all the shit where it's like, oh man, look at those guys. We worked to death. That's bad. He didn't <laughs> like, really <laughs> even go native. He did not become one of the tribe and act like them. He basically brainwashed and enslaved them. He didn't work them to death, though he probably worked them pretty hard stealing ivory, but he didn't do the same things, but he did not become one of them in any way. So I feel like, okay, my guess is Conrad was saying... Here we are analyzing it like fucking everybody else. But anyway, Conrad was saying that like either that even Europeans like who have all of this civilization, you know, at least compared to the Africans, Conrad would have thought at the time that even Europeans lose it when they like leave Europe. That like they 
when the, that's the phrase, like, you know, when they've gone native, that they have essentially... Also, I, I also a quote that I found, um, this is right after um, Kurtz has died. He says that, I had to deal with a being to whom I could not appeal in the name of anything high or low. And by that, I thought he meant heaven or hell, meaning that Kurtz had lost religion, like he had lost God, and that that's why he set himself up as a God, because mm. either because before or after, he lost his own religion, and that's why he became both so crazy and so sick, and that's what happened to him. Well, there's a, there's a, when they're on the, when they're on the river at some point, which is, you know, most of the fucking book, uh, he hears the drums and he says, perhaps on some quiet night, the tremor of far off drums, sinking, swelling, tremor of blah, 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 suggestive and wild, and perhaps with as profound a meaning as the sound of bells in a Christian country. Where it's like, these drums are all crazy and maddening and they don't make, you know, savage, wild people. It's like, but maybe it means the exact same thing to them as bells do to us. Let's not delve into that any further. So, well, like, Marlowe's he... thoughts are often Conrad's thoughts on imperialism. Where it's like, they're not worse than us. They're just different. They just have different beliefs. But then he keeps coming back to just like, ah, kill them all. So it's, it's hard. It bounces back and forth a lot. Right. It's like he start, He like wants to start the thought and you're going to continue thinking it. Yeah. Like you're like, yeah, what is that about? <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe they're also people. Do you remember, Jimmy, though, our music teacher's joke about the drums? Yes, I do. I was thinking the exact same thing. My <laughs> music teacher also had that exact same joke. <laughs> the when, when, when drums stop, bass solos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Very bad. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> our, our high school music teacher did his original um, training. He was going to be an anthropologist, and then after spending a semester living in some you know tent really? in a jungle somewhere, yeah, I actually interviewed him for something. Huh. Uh, he was like, "This sucks. I don't want to do this. I'm going to go back to playing trumpet or whatever the fuck he did. Trombone. Yeah, because he likes pole. Jazz trombone. <laughs> Jazz trombone. Good name for a band. Terrible idea for music." <laughs> Like jazz trombone be a good name for a beer. It's the musical equivalent of a hacky sack. I'm trying to understand what that means, but I like it. <laughs> Just like this book, so I don't <laughs> like it. How do you know there's a trombone player at your door? I don't know. The car says outside says Pizza Hut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. burned. <laughs> Still not as good as the drummer one. Which is, how do you know there's a drummer at your door? The doorbell drags. <laughs> I was like, how do you like? How do you tell if the stage is level? I know this one. There's the, drool, the drool out was coming sides. out of both sides of the drummer's mouth. <laughs> yeah. There's anyway. a lot of uh, longer, uh, fun drummer jokes. And you could really just replace drummer in any of your Polish jokes, for the record. Pretty much. You know, like... Especially all the ones about pierogies. <laughs> No, but like any of the joke where it's just they're stupid, it's the same thing as a drummer joke. Like the drummer goes and the band members send him into the the music store to pick up gear, and he's like, "Hey, I need to pick up um, strings for my blender guitar and for my uh, my mess 
mess tall? And the guy's like, you're a drummer, aren't you? And he's like, oh, yeah, how'd you know? I was like, because this is a travel agency. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so who should read this book? People doing their dissertations on imperialism and... Uh, like European views of imperialism yeah. in 1900. Is who should, that, that dissertation. That's about it. I read it more as a history book because I had just read King Leopold's Ghost. So I, and he talked a lot about... Conrad. I'd really like to read the novelization of this. And so, like, when I was reading this, <laughs> I was more reading it not for, like, it's literary, like, what's the symbolism of the blue door? It was really like, oh, this is really what he saw when he was there. Or this is very much like what he saw when it was there. It's like the jungle, but actually the jungle. A book we should do sometime, maybe. Though I'm sure it's only have a hot dog-themed beers. Suck so bad. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Just have to get that smoked sausage beer again. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you have a beer with like pickle juice in it or something once? I feel like there was a pickled beer. We had a basil beer. That was the oh that fucking pizza beer, (laughs) (laughs) caprese salad ale. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, because I just read it kind of as a history book, it was like okay, this is an interesting account, and wasn't thinking too hard about what's the symbolism. It was the book was okay. It was all right. But I would not inflict this on high schoolers. Definitely not. Terrible. It's, it, it's, it, it was cruel even and if it was good, Even if it was good, it would still be something I wouldn't say that high schoolers should read. It's just, it's just too, there's too much stuff you need to know to put it in any sort of context. And stuff that you're just typically not taught, at least in an American classroom, about imperialism. You know, like, you might pick up, like, oh, white man's burden kind of stuff in here, but... You'll hear that phrase, and you're not going to be sure what it means, because they won't tell you. I never learned shit about the Congo in school. No, definitely not. And we went to, like, a high-achieving nerds high school. Never once. I don't think we learned fuck all about Africa, except that's where slaves came from. And Mansa Musa. (laughs) And, And some Egypt stuff. Yeah. That's it. So, you know, this book is just like, you know. I also didn't learn fuck all about Belgium. Uh, the Smurfs come country. from there. <laughs> Smurfs are from Belgium? Yeah. Really? That explains a lot. It's like, why Every, are they blue? explains everything, Jimmy. <laughs> Gargamel is a Flemish name. <laughs> They're called something slightly different in Belgium. They're like the Stroops or something. It's Schmurf. It's a floofer. And, and the way it was came up, like yes. some guy was like, oh, it'd be funny if you just have strumpf. And I, oh, I strumpf you this and strumpf that. And so they just, that's how the Smurfs talk. When like, oh, I smurf and smurfed my pants last night. It's <laughs> like whatever they say. It's like that, uh, that movie, the Sacha Baron Cohen won The Dictator, where he replaced a lot of the words in language with his own name. You were like, his name is Aladdin. And it's like, he replaced both positive and negative. So he goes, guy going to the doctor is like, uh, I have the test results. You are HIV Aladdin. <laughs> and I was just like, uh, m- okay. <laughs> well, the um, the dictator of Turkmenistan a few years ago changed the names of all the months, and one of them he named after and himself. And he changed the name of bread to his own name, or his mother's name, or some shit like that. It was one of the one of the months was named after his mother or yeah. his dog or some certain <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. And the rest of the world was like, that's not a real country. No one cares. <laughs> Sorry, Turkmenistan. So I think no one should read Heart of Darkness ever. 
<laughs> Fight me. <laughs> Prove me wrong. <laughs> Tell me why you should read this. Like, there it really are... doesn't have a very engaging plot. There's no plot. It's, I'm waiting for the boat. The boat's here. I'm waiting on the boat. Let's get back on the boat. Dead. It's the old man in the sea of imperialism. It's just one drawn out, not very interesting story. At least he catches that fish. But he loses the fish. So here he, he meets Kurtz and he loses the Kurtz. <laughs> it's it's just, it's not an interesting plot. And you could get, there are other books you could read that will teach you about how fucked up imperialism was in Africa and be entertaining and actually teach you real shit as opposed to some guy talking about this fictionalized version of it. At the same time, however, I know uh, uh, Chinua Achebe says that this book is not high art and is, is terrible because it dehumanizes Africans. And he's right. So it's interesting for that debate. I don't think it's a debate. I he's, think he's right. <laughs> well, the question, he's right, but at the same time, in 1902 or 1899, when it was, this was uber progressive. So True. It's, it, there is some debate to be had there, right? And also, it's not like he says, Marlowe or the narrator or whoever says, yeah, those savages sucked. Yeah, they were uncivilized. Like, that's just what he witnesses. And he is meant to represent um, like the public seeing what, the f- what fucked up shit is happening in Africa. It's, it's not a commentary on how they would actually live their lives or how their societies functioned. It's just showing the depredation because of the Belgian conquest there. So it's an interesting book, I suppose, in that sense to talk about. But to actually read it, oh my God, no. Never yeah. again. Yeah. I, I read the first part. I was like, wow, okay, maybe I was wrong. And then the last of it kicked in. I was just like... No, I was right. I hate this. We are a million percent better readers than we were in high school. You can't multiply by zero. <laughs> I've added a million percent, million points to my reading score. <laughs> <laughs> so no, nobody should read it. Though if you're the kind of person that listens to our podcast, you probably already did read this at some point. In which case, I'm sorry we can't save you from the past. But why don't you tell us what you thought? Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. And uh, why not leave us a review wherever you're listening? And if you didn't like it, don't write the horror, the horror as a review. <laughs> Just fucking don't write one. <laughs> if you did like it, though, leave a good review. We'd appreciate that. Or head over to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub. That would also help support the podcast. And you can also go to Goodreads and join us where we read things that are better than this. And we're also on Twitter at DrunkEyesBC. And also check out the Hopped Up Network, the network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.